Today's show is brought to you by Appalachian Trails and Pacific Crest Trails. If you're planning for an Appalachian Trail or Pacific Crest Trail through hike, or know someone who is, these books are a must-have resource. While other tools prepare hikers for the logistical part of a through hike, they fail to ready hikers for the most difficult aspect of a half-year backpacking trip, the psychological and emotional struggle. Appalachian Trails and Pacific Crest Trails are both written specifically to ready a hiker's mind for this life-changing journey. I've received countless messages, emails, and personal thanks from former thru-hikers who have cited one of these two books as a key to their success. Whether you're planning for a thru-hike, are on the fence of whether you want to commit to one, or are supporting a loved one on the trail, these books have proven to be an invaluable resource time and time again. Check out the show notes for direct links to both of these books. Yeah, now you said you were the king of porcelain blazing. Of course, yeah. So, uh, Mrs. Compton here, uh, you only had, you were batting like 900 or something like that, right? Pretty much, yeah. That's the way to do it in the Shenandoah, is just go to toilet to toilet. That's how to really have the full AT experience. <laughs> Correspondence presented by The Trek. I am your host, Zach Badger Davis. Today's episode brings us our second wildcard and our first from the trail. I gave our correspondents a blank canvas for which they can paint whatever trail related artwork they were currently most passionate about. The previous wildcard episode was a listener favorite, and I'm guessing that today's will be no different. We hear about a wide range of subjects, from hammock camping to finding romance on trail, to game-changing trail magic, to hiking the Sierra in a high snow year, and beyond. This grab bag of subjects will, without question, keep you on your toes. In this episode, you'll hear from Frozen, Catherine, Missy and John, Kenneth, Melissa, Nancy, Sarah H., Zach, and Hasmine. Here it is. Hey everybody, it's Frozen coming at you from Brown Mountain Shelter in Virginia. Mile marker 806.7 I believe. Got this place all to myself and I am on day 50. Absolutely loving it out here. I don't know if you can hear the stream off in the background, but it's going to be so relaxing tonight in my hammock. So. We have a wild card episode today. I'm so excited about it because I could talk about pretty much whatever I want. So I thought I'd take this opportunity to go in depth on how my hammock has been on my through hike. I don't think a lot of people hammock camp, at least I've only met one other person so far. And I think maybe we can just get some information out there. So other than the Smokies and a few town stops where I stayed in a hostel or a hotel, I've probably spent a good 40 nights in the hammock. Now, why do I stay in a hammock when I could just sleep in the shelters or in a tent or under a tarp? For me, for whatever reason, I just end up sleeping more sound in a hammock. And the biggest thing for me is the consistency of sleep. If I'm the kind of person that if I don't get sleep, I'm just a 
monster in the morning. I don't really want to do anything. I'm not really grumpy. I just don't have the energy to get up and get moving. I have to have a good night's sleep. So that is one of the major reasons that I brought my hammock along instead of, you know, actually trying a tent setup or just sleeping in the shelters like a lot of the people that I'm around right now. Another great thing is, you know, if you don't make it to the shelter or you just really, really want some peace and quiet, pretty much along the AT, there hasn't really been any spots that I was unable to just throw up my hammock and just have a night in it. There's lots of official stealth sites out there. And when I say stealth sites, I mean sites that aren't exactly at the shelters but have a fire ring and are labeled in the either the AWOL guide or the gut hook app. So I have made great use of that when I just kind of want to get away from all the snoring people or just want to have a nice quiet night to myself. And I just wake up feeling so refreshed, ready to start my day. And I especially like watching the tent people, not necessarily the shelter people, the tent people when it rains. I'm underneath my tarp in my hammock and I'm able to pretty much pack up my entire camp and have breakfast, cook underneath the the tarp and get ready to go. And all I have left when I have to get wet is to pack up my tarp and throw it in my backpack. With the tents, you know, you're running to the shelter, the picnic table, whatever you can do. And you're firing up your stove or you're not having breakfast that day (laughs) if you don't really want to get wet. So that's another another pro. Being in the rain is a lot easier. Now, there are some downsides when it comes to a hammock setup. For instance, early on I learned that I probably needed what's called an underquilt protector. But before we go into that, let's talk about what an underquilt is. An underquilt is pretty much the ground equivalent of a sleeping pad. It's, it's a half of a sleeping bag that goes underneath of your hammock so it doesn't compress with your body weight and is still able to provide protection from the convection in the air, similar to a sleeping pad providing protection from conduction on the ground. So the wind has been an issue a few nights for me. There was one instance in, I believe it was Woody Gap, really early on, I think it was the first or second week that I was on the AT, and we experienced gusts up to, I think it was 45 miles per hour. And when that happens, if you don't have what's called an underquilt protector, which I plan on picking up at some point here, it takes all the warmth out of your down underquilt and you are just freezing cold, especially when I started. I started February 23rd and I had some, I'll be honest, some miserable nights. So a tent would really be ideal in those situations because you know you have walls, you're able to block it, or even staying in the shelter, you're able to block that wind. But like I said, other than that, everything has been great with the hammock and I really haven't had that many issues with, other than the wind. Sometimes I kind of camp at lower elevations when I know the wind is gonna be crazy using the AT weather app, etc. I think another big question people have was, well, what if I can't find two trees that'll work? So far along the Appalachian Trail, I haven't had one single night where I was struggling to find trees. And if I did, I just went, you know, 100 feet down the trail and I was able to set up another stealth site. So I would love to talk your ear off about hammock camping. 
all day long, but I'm running out of time. So we will call it there. Thanks for listening. And I definitely recommend hammock on the AT at least over a tent. I'm Frozen at Brown Mountain Shelter, signing off for the night. Good evening, everyone. It's Catherine Rizidis, a.k.a. Manhattan, and I'm recording from the uh, Devil's Backbone Brewery in Virginia, where they actually let hikers camp for free in the back, which is awesome. They have, you know, showers, bathrooms, everything, and then tons of good food and good beer. Uh, Today is day 67 for me. I'm around mile 840-ish, and I have got some good news for you all. Um... I came out on the trail to spend a lot of time in the woods, to spend a lot of time thinking about the things I want to do next, um, the things that are most important to me, and I ended up finding something a little bit different on the trail that I wasn't expecting. So let's let's rewind a little bit to um, to day ten for me, which was in Franklin, North Carolina, one of the best and kind of earliest, really friendly trail towns that you go through. Um, I decided to do my first zero day, take a day off. You know, it's been over a week of hiking, probably time to let everything have a little bit of a rest. I had some packages to mail home and all that. So I decided to take a day off and stay at a hostel, which I'm glad I did, because I actually ended up meeting someone on day 10 that I have been hiking with ever since, and... I think my life has definitely taken a turn for the better. So, yeah, day day 10, um, staying at the hostel. Guy walked in, um, we introduced ourselves, and I've just wanted to spend every day with him ever since. So, after meeting at that hostel, he ended up taking a day off because his ankles were pretty swollen. It was totally unplanned. He left his um, kind of trail trio he was hiking with which I figured was kind of a good sign, you know, maybe that means he's interested. It's a little hard to tell out here. Um, So took the day off, really got to know each other. And again, you would be surprised at how quickly you get to know each other out here. Like think of camping together every day, waking up, eating together, hiking all day, not necessarily together, but spending, you know, lunch times or breaks together, setting up camp in the evening, every single day. So every single day you're spending at least some of the morning, some of the evening together. And then during the day doing, you know, hard physical work and going through enjoyable, but also tough stuff. So definitely is a way of bringing people together. And I think just being out here, it's, it's very hard to be inauthentic. If you're out here, you're really, you're kind of, you you don't have a choice other than to be yourself. So Everyone's has everyone has seen everyone else through their smelliest and dirtiest and worst, and you know we kind of figured, hey, if we're uh, if we're liking what we see at this point, things can only get better from there. So I'm I'm very happy right now. Um, 27 square feet in a tent is a little bit a uh, little bit squishy. Still no complaints, but all you tiny house couples come at me and try and make 27 square feet work for a while. But I'm very happy. Um, Totally unexpected. Sometimes people joke about couples getting together on the ET. And, you know, I never never thought that anything like this would ever happen. But 
maybe when you stop looking for things, that's when your life can change forever. So I'll keep you posted. Uh, This could be the best decision of my life or at the very least a weight savings mechanism. I think it's the best decision of my life, but I'll definitely keep you posted. Um, Good things do happen out on the trail. There are lots of good people out here. And for all the other girls out there, here are some tips to know if a guy on the trail is interested in you. Things like making sure you always have a good spot to stay at in the shelter. Making sure that there's always a nice flat campsite for you. Uh, Walking ahead of you for a mile in a really bear-prone area after just seeing a bear. Hitting poles together the whole way just in case there is a bear so they will run away to make sure that there is no bear in your vicinity. Taking zero days when you don't necessarily need to take a zero day or Nero just to stick around, I would say probably all of those are pretty good signs. So keep an eye out. I'm sure there are going to be others, not just us, but this is Manhattan signing off and I am so happy. Hello, hello. This is Hot Buns and No Worries coming at you from the Traveler's Inn in Marion, Virginia. It is day 73 for us on the trail. I would like to take a few minutes to talk to you about mental health on the trail. As you all know, or maybe you don't know, I suffer from anxiety and I have since I was small. Yes, this still occurs while we are out living our dream of hiking the Appalachian Trail. This happens in my regular life and on the trail. In towns, on the tops of mountains, Um, It's hard on the trail as you're already dealing uh, with like pain, foot pain, knee pain, you know, the long miles, the rough terrain, uh, weight loss, not being able to eat enough, fatigue, and just a slew of other issues. So some of those other issues that I have seen in hikers is mental health. Um, For me, it's anxiety. For others, it's depression. Uh, A good hiker friend of mine who is currently way ahead of No Worries and I recently took some time off the trail because he was feeling depressed. He suffers from depression and has for many years. He too chooses not to medicate because it makes him feel unlike himself. People who do not have mental health issues often say, well, why would you be depressed? You're out hiking and living your dream. Well, I know firsthand it isn't that simple. You can't just turn it on and off. It grabs you, sometimes at the most inopportune moments, and it makes you feel terrible. Um, The happy time you should be experiencing is clouded by anxiety, depression, and, and other situations. I tried different medications when I was younger, but they all decreased the quality of my life and made me feel like a zombie. Um, I felt numb, muted, and slow on these meds, so I chose to deal with the anxiety without medication. Um, I have other forms of relief I use, including meditation, um, the mountains and nature, yoga, and healing crystals, which often work well for me. Sometimes, though, the anxiety overtakes me, and I have a bad day, and it's no matter what I do. So the main thing out here is is hiking is mentally harder than you probably think it is. And for those that have anxiety and other issues to deal with, that additional mental um, rigor out here definitely adds to that. And the, the reason that the, this is an important subject right now, we want to kind of touch base with it. Not only does um, Hot Buns and some of our friends out on the trail hike um, with anxiety and some of our friends hike with depression, um, for these that don't know or aren't aware of it the current aware um, news on the trail here is there was an assault on the AT this past weekend 
Um, I'm not going to go into the details. Um, you can easily Google to get information, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. The incident occurred uh, basically because of a mentally unstable man who was threatening hikers um, along the trail and finally ended up threatening him with a, long, with a large knife that he had, um, whether it's called machete or large knife. Um, he's been apprehended and currently in jail, but there definitely was some incidences. Um, this really shook us up. Um, I was grateful that um, it was not us um, within this experience. Um, and I feel guilty sometimes for having those feelings. We are, uh, we do know some, know some people that were directly affected. Mm-hmm. Um, when the trail incident occurred, uh, I was afraid. Um, you know, we were not involved, but we were only about a day, a hiking day behind of when and where it happened. So it easily could have been No Worries and I running from the strange man. Um, this individual had interacted uh, with many hikers over the last month, and a good majority of them said that there was something wrong with him. Uh, they said he didn't act normal, he talked to himself, he would just start yelling at people who were around him out of the blue. Um, people tried to help this man, but he wasn't having it, and unfortunately this attack is, is how the situation ended. Uh, mental health is definitely a serious issue, um, both on and off the trail. Uh, a lot of people are surprised that uh, people out here living their dreams and, and living the adventure and still fighting it, but it's something that really can't be controlled. Um, since you can't uh, identify uh, physical illness or deformity, many people have no idea that others are suffering. Uh, but it's important to lend a hand, and this community is great. Uh, it's very supportive, yeah, very. Um, and people are, are really awesome out here. But lend a hand. Um, you know, speak to somebody if they're having a bad day, if you see somebody crying. It's very mentally tough out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, mental health needs to be taken much more seriously, and resources need to be available for those people who need them. Yeah, and I fully su- I fully support more mental health awareness and, and education in our schools, and our workplaces, you know, and communities, as mental health illness doesn't discriminate based on, like, age, gender, or race. You know, it can affect anyone at any time, even here on the trail. So, uh, you know, people didn't ask to be this way, but they have to deal with the feelings and consequences consequences of it nonetheless and I have days on the trail when I cry why do I cry I don't know I feel sad and I have feelings that I I can't do this I get anxious thinking of failing you know that I'm not doing enough miles Um, but I can do it and I am doing it and it's just one step after another and I will not let my anxious mind stop me from completing a dream and an adventure that no worries and I have have held for the last four to five years I also know that mental health issues can take a toll on the family members and spouses of the affected individual. Um, No worries, can you speak of how you feel when you see me struggling on certain days? How does it make you feel? Yeah, I'll touch base on that briefly. It is different for everybody. Um, For myself and and the nickname No Worries, I'm a very laid back, easygoing person and very supportive and and a lot of times uh, almost make people mad at how happy I constantly <laughs> mm-hmm. am. Yeah. So for me, it's tough. I just want to help and I just want to be there, but it's not always something you can control. Um, the person really has to take that back under control and kind of uh, control their mind a little bit. So I feel very left out and sometimes I feel very helpless because I can't really do a lot about it. Yeah. So uh, to wrap up, um, we feel mental health on the trail needs to be a topic that we can all discuss and identify. When someone looks like they're not having a good day, you know, ask them about it. Try and make sure that they, they know you care. Maybe they won't want to talk to you about it, and, and maybe they will. But just don't turn your back on them. Um, just because you can't see an illness doesn't mean it isn't any less important than a physical condition. So if this, indiv- if this individual that 
did the attacks could have been given help in the beginning. You know, maybe this senseless tragedy uh, would have never occurred in the first place. Um, well, that's it for us guys. I hope you learned a little something about mental health on the trail. Now that the trail is actually back open after the investigation, we are getting ready to hike out um, into Bland, Virginia tomorrow. I find that funny, Bland. It's kind of a crazy name. Um, I'm both excited and apprehensive to get back out there in nature, you know, but I'm, I cannot and I will not let my fears rule my life. So I'm going to push on and I'm just going to hike. So until next time, guys, just remember to always get out there and live the adventure. Have a good night. Hi there, this is Kenneth Pereira coming to you from Front, Front Royal in uh, Virginia. It's 11.15 uh, p.m. Yes. Thursday, May 23rd, and I uh, wanted to give a shout out, a uh, honorable mention, and a shameless plug real quick. First of all, to our dearly beloved Snowbird who's flown the coop, we miss you, we salute you, we hope that though you say you're getting off trail, that you're joking our ass and that you'll actually be back. Uh, beyond that, Stretchman, we can't wait to see your ass to joke with it soon enough since you haven't done all that much since we last saw you. And uh, finally, uh, I wanted to mention that I have my own granular podcast, KP on the AT, that has uh, clips of my daily experience here out on the Appalachian Trail. So check that out on YouTube and iTunes if you're interested. And now on to the meat of the matter, y'all. All right, I'm here with my fellows. Um, we just finished the Shenandoahs today, rip. Um, saw a bunch of bears, had a bunch of ticks on us, and uh, I just wanted to take a moment uh, because of the influence of, <clears throat> excuse me, Z.R. Davis from uh, Trail Days, he asked me when I walked by with my crew if I had interviewed any of them, and I found that I hadn't, which is a damn shame. So I'm here to rectify that in in a uh, standing ovation to the people who have helped me get this far and to be this happy doing it. So first we got someone here who's been with me for 800 miles. Who are you? Hi, I'm Forrest. I'm 20 years old from Pennsylvania. I've been hiking with Moron for over 800 miles, soon to be 900. And Woo. feeling strong. It's been a great journey so far. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what's to come. <laughs> Her mentioning of strength is an understatement. She actually uh, is in pristine condition, no injuries, <laughs> no, never had a bad day out here on the trail. Um, I think she should be called first instead of forest because she gets there first <laughs> and there's no complaints. Uh, anyway, uh, sitting next to her, we got another aboyo uh, taking a sip of hams. Uh, we're all getting through the night with the power of hams, which is a sub $4 lager pilsner <laughs> from Milwaukee. We got a Milwaukee boy here too. Um, so we're, uh, we're feeling the love. So who are you? Uh, what's up? I'm Pooh Bear. I'm from Fort Worth, Texas. I've been with the crew since the end of the Shenandoah or the end of the Smokies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm really loving it. You know, they inspire me every day. Uh, even when I'm going through rough times, I know I'm where I need to be. Hell yeah. We're all where we need to be on this bed right now, drinking hams. 
We got four people, one bed. I think that's a new internet movie coming out soon. <laughs> uh, so who are you, fourth person on the bed? Uh, I'm Compton from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I hopped on the group at about mile 300. So far, it's been pretty amazing. Pretty good time. Enjoying meeting everybody and sharing the experience together. Sharing the experience, y'all. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we did just finish the Shenandoah and it was just the four of us, which is kind of different because it has been a group of six at some times, five at other times, and now back down to the core four, as I like to say, the C4, uh, explosives, y'all. We're talking about some (laughs) mad vibes out here on the hams train. Um, yeah, I mean, did anything, I think us as a foursome worked pretty well out on the trail this past couple of days. We got through the Shenandoahs in four days. We had a good group Yeah, going. really strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first day was kind of a shit show. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> yeah. We figured out our rhythm. Long breaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do fast little portions like of hiking. Like <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot of drinking at the, uh, <laughs> at the waysides. Yeah. It definitely helps. The morale was Platinum high. Platinum blazing. Platinum blazing. blazing. Porcelain blazing. The porcelain blazing, yes. Yeah, now you said you were the king of porcelain blazing. Of course, yeah. So, uh, Mrs. Compton here, uh, he, uh, I don't think I pooped much in, in an actual toilet, but... You only had, you were batting like 900 or something like that, right? Pretty much, yeah. That's the way to do it in the Shenandoah is just go to toilet to toilet. That's how to really have the full AT experience. (laughs) Yeah, I think one of my favorite uh, Shenandoah moments was uh, 11 miles after 5.30 p.m. That is uh, the other night when we went to the uh, tap room and we hung out there for way too long and then we had to run to the shelter. (laughs) To catch up to me? Yeah, to catch up to first, uh, which is forest. Uh, Yeah, um, yeah, we had a great time. Uh, The first night, again, it's sort of a shit show. I know I already mentioned that, but I wanted to go back to it because it was so funny. We did the first night was five miles. We did our first night hike as a group, and um, the bugs and the conditions won out. We actually stealth camped in this weird spot right after some uh, cell tower. Yeah, like a cell phone tower, and we were all kind of pooped. I had no water. It was so bad. Yeah, it was bad for everyone for different reasons. Uh, but then we kicked our own asses. We did a thirty mile the next day, and then two tw- uh, the twenty, and then a twenty six, and a twenty six. And so, bye bye Shenandoahs, and uh, yeah, we just uh, I don't know. To me, I'm, I'm talking too much already. Uh, yeah, someone else say something. <laughs> cool. Okay. Well, yeah. To me, it's just. Uh, I don't know. We know a lot of people who... We've seen a lot of hikers out here, and they all have different schedules and paces and everything. But the group that we have, um, I don't know, just like Poo Bear was saying, I think, you know, it's like uh, all of us together. I think we can go the distance. Um, Mm -hmm. They say one in five, make it to Katahdin. But I like to think that we are a group. We're the groups of one. Yeah, we're the groups of one, y'all. It's about finding your people, for sure. Yeah, finding your people. We're the 20 percenters. A group of 20 percenters mm-hmm. hoping to get all the way. Oh, Pe- yeah. People are dropping like flies around us, and that's a scary thing to have to witness. But, you know, with each sip of hams, we get stronger. Each, each uh, <laughs> spoonful of ice cream, we go longer. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely like the quote more on from earlier. Uh, you go faster alone, but further together. together right? Hey, mm. thank you. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, to quote another inspirational through hiker 
you're never going to fucking make it, uh, <laughs> which is the flip side of the coin, I guess. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's that's us from Front Royal, sipping on hams and getting silly. It's 1130. Tired as fuck. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, hopefully this wasn't too obnoxious. We love you and we'll see you further down the trail. Bye. everyone it's Binks recording live from Atkins Virginia and uh, we are at the barn restaurant right now where these lovely ladies are letting my friend Kans and I loiter and watch the newest episode of Game of Thrones um it is day 44 and we have had beautiful walking today just pastoral fields and flora and fauna and it's just been lovely so I'm shamelessly spending an hour of this beautiful day inside to binge a show. <laughs> um, I just wanted to tell you guys about the best trail magic that I've had yet on trail. Um, and it's really awesome. And I hope that y'all get some like this because it changed my freaking week. Um, so the other day... In the highlands, we were hit by some really, really, really crappy weather. Um, It was a cold spell. It was like 40 degrees, um, pouring down the rain, thunder, lightning, wind. Um, At some points, it was hailing. And I ended up getting caught up at Thomas Knob Shelter for the vast majority of the day because it wasn't really safe to push on to wise since it was um so exposed you know you don't want to be on an exposed field when it's thunder and lightning and you have freaking trekking poles in your hand like that just doesn't sound like the best idea so we were all there oh why am i yawning should be all in a day <laughs> so General Cans, Cheesecake, Evergreen, and I were all there camped out with Noodle Harvester and Electrolyte, and we were all shivering and freezing and, you know, all that good stuff. So the next day, we hiked out to try and get to the Highlands General Store, and it had snowed, (laughs) so we were all so cold, Um, and we really wanted to do laundry because everything that we had was soaked, Um, And it just wasn't safe at that point to be walking around in 35-degree weather soaking wet. Um, That's just a recipe for disaster. So we happened to cross this couple who offered us sodas um, and heard that we were trying to get to the general store. And they were like, well, why don't we just take you there? You know, it's no big deal. It's only a 15-minute drive. Um, But we couldn't all fit in their car. So they took two trips to take us to the general store, which was just, I mean, amazing enough to begin with. So General and I were waiting for the rest of the gang to get to the store. And we were talking about what our options were. Like, were we going to get back on trail? Um, How were we going to get back on trail? Because we didn't want this couple to have to drive us, you know, twice again. And Evergreen walks into the general store. Um, He had, you know, from, from the trailhead. And... He was like, 
Banks, you're not even going to believe this. Like, they're offering to put us up for the night. And the whole reason that we weren't wanting to stay the night here was that, you know, a room was upwards of $175 um, because they're like nice rooms. They have, you know, they have really nice bathroom. They have washer dryer in the room that's included. They have two bedrooms. They have a full kitchen, a full living room. Like it's a, it's a, it's basically an apartment and the rooms are expensive. Um, and we don't have that money. You know, we're, we're, we're 20 year olds. So like, I don't know. Um, it was just, and so the, so I'm getting off topic. So they, they walked in and they were like, yeah, we'd love to, to pay for your room for the night because I, we've been there, like we've been cold and wet and people took us in and we want to do this for you. And it was just, I mean, I've never felt like the weight that just lifted off my shoulders in that moment was just priceless. Like I was so worried about being cold and wet on trail and like having hyperthermia and it was, oh, it was just awesome. I'm like, I know I'm being very scattered right now, but it was just really awesome. And it's hard to articulate how good that felt in the moment. Um, so that it was just incredible. So I guess what I'm, where I'm trying to go with this is when you receive trail magic, please just be humble, be thankful, be grateful. It's not that hard to give these people five minutes of your time. They've probably wasted their entire day to drive out to the trailhead and sit there and wait for hikers. So the least we can do is, you know, thank them properly and give them five minutes of our day. Um, so that is my fun, like, awesome story of the week. Um, I'm really excited for what's coming up on trail. We are hopefully going into Parisburg, um, within the next couple days. Um, that's looking like our next stop. And, uh, we're hopefully going to be staying at Angel's Rest, I've heard that it's a vortex, and uh, if you stay there for two nights, you get a vortex patch. But we're not planning on zeroing, so we'll see if we get sucked in. Um, I could see myself maybe getting sucked in, but I also feel really good physically, so I don't know. I physically just want to like go. I just I'm just ready. I'm I'm feeling a groove. Virginia is doing me so well, and I'm excited. I, I know that people get the Virginia blues, but like I am I am feel riled up and ready to go. <laughs> so uh, you will be hearing from me later in Virginia because I'm gonna be here for a while. And uh, much love from Atkins, Virginia in the barn restaurant. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Hi, everyone out there listening to the Trail Correspondence Podcast. Welcome. This is Dash, and I am doing this 
particular assignment for the podcast from my home outside of Atlanta. I have spent 49 days on the trail and scheduled a week off trail to come home and spend time with my grandchildren and friends. And I will be back on the trail on May 1st, picking up where I left off at mile 604. And the time here at home has been extremely busy, but really worthwhile. Lots of time with friends, neighbors, and the grandchildren. So I'm really happy about how the visit home has worked out. I've had time to do some additional fine tuning of my resupply options, and I've purchased my next pair of shoes. I've tweaked the clothes that I'll be returning to the trail with because there's definitely a warming trend as spring takes hold, even in the mountains. So I'm really happy about being able to shed just a little bit of weight and uh, not take the heavier clothes. I am really, uh, gosh, I'm going to miss the people that I was um, hiking around before I left the trail. I was encountering many of the same um, through hikers and was really looking forward to spending more time with people that I was getting to know. But they're going to be a week ahead of me now, and I am just going to embrace the fact that I get to meet a whole new group of hikers when I return. So I think all in all, I am doing really well. My body is still cooperating, and I did finally encounter hiker hunger about a week before I left the trail. It had definitely settled in, So I am aware of how much I'm eating and the fact that not too long after I finish a meal, I could definitely eat again. That whole issue of carrying enough food and making sure what you do carry is incredibly calorie-dense is becoming more and more important as my weight loss was beginning to get a little bit of a worry for me, primarily because my backpack belt or the waist belt didn't have much more webbing to go before I will have it as tight as it can be, and that will become an issue if I drop any more weight. While I've been home, I have been eating a lot, and So I think maybe I've picked up a pound or two while I've been home, and I'll see if I can't keep a stable weight when I get back on the trail. All in all, I really am just ready to get back. I can't believe how much time I'm spending here at home and thinking about the trail and how I need to be back walking to Maine. I really feel the need to make progress heading north, and it's a really strong draw. So I guess I'll just get back on and do my best to keep going, and I think I'm 
very optimistic about how my body is holding up, how my brain is handling everything, my emotional um, stability is fine. So all in all, I am anxious to get back on, but so grateful that I had this time at home. So this is Dash signing off and reminding everyone, please live your Dash. Bye. guys, it's Sarah Herman. I am coming at you from Ridgecrest, which is just off of mile 652 of the PCT. Um, it is day 56, and my partner Jess and I are three days away from finishing the quote-unquote desert <laughs> section of the PCT. Um, it has been a crazy adventure so far. Um, mostly due to the weather, um, which I'm sure everybody's talking about. Um, but I just wanted to give kind of an update as to how it's gone so far and what our future plans are. Um, so yeah, we've hiked 650 miles, um, which seems surreal. Um, but it has been really incredible. Um, the weather has been much more challenging than we anticipated. Um, you know, we thought the desert going into it would be between like 70 and 80 to 90 degree days with lows at night in the 50 to 60 range. Um, instead, the highs have averaged between 50 and 60 degrees during the day, lows between 20 and 30 at night. Um, we've had 15 days of precipitation, whether that be rain, snow, sleet, ice, hail. Um, and so it has just been not at all what we expected, um, which has been difficult in some ways as we've just had to adapt and alter our mindset, um, but easier in other ways, you know, given that there's been plenty of water, it hasn't been hot. Um, so there are pros and cons, obviously. Um, I think the thing that's just been hardest about it is this hasn't really happened before, um, at least to my knowledge. I mean, you know that in the Sierra there's going to be snow and you might have to, you know, deal with that. Or in Oregon, there might be wildfires. In Washington, there might be a lot of rain and snow. But you just never anticipate that the desert will be cold. Um, so it's been tricky, but, you know, overall, we're still having a fantastic time. Um, it's just getting those expectations altered, um, you know, making sure that we are you know, making the best decisions for us. Um, so here we are, we're three days away from finishing the desert. Um, and then the plane's a little bit up in the air. We are flying back home to Philadelphia. Um, my brother is getting married in just under two weeks. So we are going home 
for the wedding. We'll spend a week and a half to two weeks there, um, just depending on the weather and, you know, determining what we want to do after this. But the chances are we will likely end up somewhere in Oregon or Northern California um, to try and keep going. Um, a lot of the remainder of the trail is coated in snow. We are not ready to go into the Sierra in its present state. We have no mountaine- mountaineering experience. Um, and it's definitely not something that we're interested in tackling um, until a lot more of the snow melts. And yeah, so we'll see where we end up and we'll see what the conditions look like. Um, but it'll likely be somewhere in probably in Oregon. Um, so yeah, that's where we're at and how we're doing. Spears are high. We're incredibly excited to kind of tick off this section of the journey, um, and have that, you know, behind us. Um, yeah, but I wanted to end this wild card episode with something a little bit fun. I want to talk about the top five wild animals that I've seen on the trail in order of appearance. Number one, insects, lots of insects, butterflies, bees, gnats, flies. Yep. All of them. Number two, probably rabbits. We've seen a lot of rabbits. They're very cute. Um, number three, has been birds, lots of birds. I don't know much about birds, but there've been lots of them. Um, number four, we've seen a couple of snakes, not too many, um, but lizards. Number four are the lizards. The geckos are everywhere. Lots of them, all different shapes and sizes, different colors, very cool. Um, and number five, cows. There have been cows on the trail, and they don't tell you this, but you have to watch out for them because sometimes they're not very happy to see you. I'll leave it at that for now. (sighs) But it's been good. I hope you enjoyed the wild animal segment and a brief update of just how things are for us. Um, So that's it for now. I'll update you again soon. Um, But again, it's Sarah Herman from mile 652 on the PCT. Hey, what is going on, trail correspondents? This is Zach Munsell. I am currently checking in about 20 miles out of, or 25 miles below Mount Shasta. Um, So I am hiking southbound. I suppose since this is the wildcard episode, I kind of want to talk about emotions on trail and um, yeah, how how you deal with things out here. Um, as, as, uh, it kind of, the trail breaks you down to your most self version of yourself, I guess. Um, back in Boston where I was living and working, it seems like, you know, there are a lot of distractions, be it, uh, your job, (laughs) your nine to five job or my nine to five job was a distraction from kind of thinking and processing, um, about, you know, who my most basic self is, 
Um, and I realized a lot about myself out here that I'm, you know, pretty even-tempered, easygoing um, dude. Uh, I bring a lot of light and funness to my pack of people. I'm sure I do that back back in the office, but I do that mo- most out here because it's kind of the nature of who I am. Um, and I'm also realizing I'm a lot more fearless than I thought I am or thought I was. Uh, when we were mountaineering, I did, uh, you know, anytime we got to a pass that we had to kind of climb up vertical, almost vertical snow, I offered to take the lead um, because I, I don't know, I felt that my patience, I wasn't going to rush up it like some people put my patience and um, confidence in myself and my abilities and my strength um, was, you know, I was the right person oftentimes to lead those bursts of uh, dangerous ascent, whereas sometimes I'd take a back seat if we were doing like a long post-holing um, even if, like, yeah, long string of post-holing up the mountain, I wouldn't really want to lead that, um, uh, because, I don't know, I felt like it was good to let other people kind of take charge in different areas, um, that, you know, were risky in their own, own way, but those short bursts were more my forte. I don't know what I'm getting at, but, I don't know, the, the trail definitely brings a lot of different emotions out of you than it has out of me um, since I've been out here. You know, a lot of joy <laughs> in particular. Um, joy for, like, the simplest, stupidest things sometimes. <laughs> like, <laughs> there was a moment in Big Bear, you know, I don't know, 400, 500 miles back uh, when we got to a hostel and someone had left Q-tips in a hiker box and I found them and I was just pumped pumped to be able to get my ears clean and like uh, it's funny my whole crew looked over at me like what are you so excited about and they all picked up on that excitement too they were they were all like oh give me some of those (laughs) um yeah it's like the little things out here that you know can really turn around your day not that my day often needs to be turned around but when we were out there in the snow for four days (laughs) (laughs) there's <laughs> the little things like stopping to to let Sam make a snow angel that kind of picked my spirits up and kept me going uh, for the next few miles. And like we were in a section where a mile might take two hours because you're arduously planning um, how you're going to, you know, avoid the waterfall in front of you and go over the near vertical frozen over stream with micro spikes hoping that it doesn't crack and you fall into the water below um but like yeah sometimes you had to make those hard decisions to take that you know dangerous sounding route because there were no other options at the point and it would take like 30 minutes to kind of discuss all of our options <sighs> i don't know i guess what i've been thinking about the past few days was a moment i had um Outside of Cajon, so where the famous McDonald's is, uh, there's a 20-mile uphill afterwards. And when I say 20-mile uphill, I mean it's 20 miles all uphill, which oftentimes you have some downhills kind of packed into a section like that, but 
This was one of my most physically demanding days on trail so far outside of Cajon. Um, and I was in great spirits. And maybe like 10 or 15 miles in, I'm working my ass off. I'm charging up the mountain. And this song comes on by uh, Cat Stevens, the great Cat Stevens. And I immediately just like bursted into tears. And I wasn't sure what was going on. Um, but thinking about the song triggered memories of my friend John that had passed away about a year and a half before um, getting on the hike. Cat uh, Stevens in particular kind of struck a chord because he had showed me the movie Harold and Maude back in the day, <laughs> which you know, quickly became one of my favorite movies, man. I really related to it. And uh, it's about, well, it's, it's about a lot of things, but I started thinking about why that movie and why that music reminded me of John. Like, clearly there was the tie of him showing me that movie, which introduced me to Cat Stevens, but just crossing a little stream right now. You can probably hear that. Um, but I started thinking about how John kind of helped me embrace you know a lot of my quirks and weirdness about me at a very formidable age when I was 17 years old and started hanging out with him a lot when he had moved to Cape Cod where I was just finishing up my senior year had a girlfriend at the time and I don't know I was kind of in this confident but still lost phase in my life where I kind of he he kind of fit a missing piece of the puzzle in my life where he kind of came in and um, I know, we could have long conversations about what was going on in my life. He's a little bit older than me at the time. He's two years older than me. He'd not gone to college, finished up high school. And he's just always a really fucking wise person for his age, wise beyond his years, as they say. But I know, we started recording little goofy songs together and making silly videos in the basement apartment that he lived in. Uh, and he introduced me to a lot of old-timey music and movies. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Those were kind of quirks and stuff that I was always interested in but aren't quite mainstream or trendy. And in high school you kind of sometimes get wrapped up into the mainstreamness and trendiness of it all. And it was good to have an outlet like John to hang out with that, yeah, I don't know, helped me kind of refine and embrace my oddities and the silliness and goofiness that I kind of hold on to and why I'm a kind of a weirdo and proud of it. I think John was maybe one of the weirdest people I've ever met and at the same time was wholly original in himself and uh, proud of who he was. But yeah, uh, two years ago or a year and a half ago before I got on trail, he passed away. And I started thinking about him at the top of, or five miles, 10 miles before the top of Cajon. And I don't know, I, I just don't think I'd fully processed his passing away. And uh, I just was, I went from really sad to really happy to be out here um, whew, and to, to be able to have the time to 
to reflect on his life and uh, how he impacted me. But anyways, I guess, yeah, I'm just kind of getting at that out here you get to explore who your true self is without the distractions of the real world. Um, Even in times when you're overwhelmed with, you know, how difficult the trail can be. And uh, on top of that, you have time to maybe reflect on things and feelings and emotions that you, or I guess I'm talking about myself, haven't fully um, explored. But yeah, it's all been really good out here and uh, I've had my highs and lows. (laughs) Anyways, yeah, this has been Zach Mansell checking in. I will catch you a little further on down the trail. Uh, Take care. Hello, trail correspondents. This is Flamethrower. I'm in Bishop, California, and it's about day 79 or 80. Don't know for sure. But on this wildcard episode, I wanted to talk about the Sierras. And what did I do? Did I go in? Did I not go in? Uh, Did I flip? Uh, There's a lot of talk on trail and online about flipping and uh, the conditions in the Sierra and how uh, dangerous they would be. And I listened to all of this and I did not want to make a decision until I got to Kennedy Meadows. With that in mind, I sent my ice axe and my spikes ahead. And then once I got there um, and saw that there was a good weather window, I decided to proceed. I, I went into this era, bought my crampons at um, the outfitter in town. And I headed out with my hiking partner, Crazy Burrito, whom you've heard from on the Groups on Trail episode. So it was two of us and we were very determined to get through the at least the first section and to see for ourselves really what it what it's all about so we had planned on a nine-day food carry which is pretty hefty out of Kennedy Meadows with the idea that if it was too much that we had several bailout points we can get off at Trail Pass or Cottonwood Pass and you know I was up for the challenge. Um, The Sierras are hard. Uh, It's physically demanding. There's a lot of um, uh, post-holing and you just don't make miles as as much as you would on on a trail that is snow-free, obviously. So we had to really not think so much in terms of how many miles we're covering every day, but uh, making sure that we got over passes early and safely. And I have to say, I, as hard as it's been, I am ready for more. So we went over uh, Kearsarge and Forrester Pass, and we even summited Mount Whitney which was one of the sketchiest things I've had to do. And if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, There are no switchbacks to speak of from the Crabtree Meadow side of the trail. So people basically 
just went straight up the mountain and straight down. So that was pretty scary, but I'm very glad I did it. I felt it um, made me mentally stronger for Forrester Pass. And, um, you know, I got through it. And so I'm, I'm happy about that. I feel like I've already accomplished a lot. And there are many passes to get through. When I go back into Kearsarge um, Pass tomorrow. But with this experience, I feel like I can get through the Sierra and then go on to Northern California and finally start making miles and, and um, just moving at a pace that feels like I can finish this in a reasonable amount of time. So we've all had to throw our plans out the window in terms of when we're going to finish and I am no different, so I'm already starting to evaluate, you know, how can I extend my leave of absence, and, and, but I just first want to get through this part of the Sierra. So that's basically what's been on my mind, is, um, you know, getting through the mountains and and feeling like I am holding true to my goals and to the hike that I've wanted to hike from day one and to listen to my own gut and listen to uh, my own, uh, what I perceive to be true and not listen to people who want to convince me of one thing or another based on not, you know, something online or not being actual on trail. So, you know, for that I also have to thank the hikers who've been ahead of me, in front of me, and who've uh, helped me with information and encouragement. So, yeah, to all of you, you know who you are. So thank you. Appreciate your help. And I hope to do that for other hikers down the road. So for now, that's all. Signing off, Flamethrower from Bishop, California. That's a wrap on today's show. In our next episode, our remaining correspondents will weigh in with their wildcard subjects. If you enjoy the show, please do leave us a review on iTunes. It goes a long ways to helping us get the word out about the show. Also, be sure to tell friends, family, neighbors, strangers, and players for the Texas Rangers. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe to ensure you don't miss future episodes. Today's show was edited by our guy, Polly Boy Shalcross, who is also the genius behind these tasty tunes. You can keep up with the show on Instagram at Trail Correspondents, on Twitter at ThruHikerPod, and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Trail Correspondents. You can also get a hold of us via email at podcast at Signing off for now, happy hiking. <laughs>